You certainly have blessed us with all blessings, not only in heavenly places, but here. We thank you for this body of believers. You have blessed us greatly. It's because of your word. Your people hunger for your word, and they will come to hear it, to seek it. And we thank you that we have a pastor who faithfully presents the word of God to us. Bless us who for now are filling in. May you be able to speak through us your word also to the praise of your glory and the benefit of your people. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord willing, we will finish up with grace. Oh yes, young folks. Go ahead down to Sunday school. We are somewhat doing a very close look at what Paul says about grace in Ephesians chapter 1. There is a problem when we pick a subject such as grace. It leads everywhere. And you can spend, as the term goes, you can spend your days running down rabbit trails. (laughs) Because grace is all through the scriptures. It reveals itself in multitudes of ways. Paul is delivering this message to a specific body of believers. We looked at it last weekend, the Ephesians. Great as Adamaeus, God of the Ephesians. People who were steeped in idol worship, in the manipulation of their God to bless them. Total works, works, works to get their God to bless them. Paul, in his presentation, by even presenting that grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with all spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, who chose us in him before the foundations of the world. Oh, oh, what does that do with our works? Took their works right away. You've been blessed before you were even created. That was God's plan. That's what he is going to do for you. This is our place in Christ before we blame. What does that do to works? It destroys them. And yet that is hard for us to comprehend because that's not our life. That's not our style. And so grace, trying to work with it very generally and yet to what the Apostle Paul says about it, i got to have so much paperwork, so please forgive me. His conclusion is in chapter 2, verse 8. He takes everything in 2, 8, 4, 4 by. That word for is saying, I'm going to wrap up everything I have said to you in a very simple thought. This is summation of what he has said in chapter 1, in part of chapter 2. Now it does continue, but there's not life long enough to go through everything that is taught in the book of Ephesians, let alone the Word of God. And so I have to limit myself. 
So if this is the summation, I guess we should understand this because the summation helps us to understand what was previous said. And so if you're in your Bible in Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to read four different translations, if you will, of Ephesians chapter 1. The old King James said, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God before, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. That's the old King James. That's what most of us grew up on. There's a newer translation, to me anyway, the Christian Standard Bible. They wrote it this way. For you are saved by grace through faith, and that not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, or before time, that we should do them. I don't know how many of you are familiar, I'm sure most of you are, with the Young's literal translation. It pretty much basically takes the Greek in word order and puts it into English. They write it this way, For by grace ye having been saved through faith. And this, not of you, of God the gift. Not of works that... No one may boast, for in him ye are workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to good works, which God did before prepare that in them we should walk. Quite a bit different. But when you analyze them, they say the same thing. The emphasis, I believe, is a little closer to what we want to understand. And the new American standard, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not the result of works, so that one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do you see how many times in this short phrase, reflects back to what he's already said before what God has done. Our position in Christ, blameless before him in love, redeemed by the blood of Christ. All that has gone before this that brings this to bear. For by grace, the subject of this entire passage The subject of our entire understanding here is God's grace, his favor. There is nothing of mankind in this. According to the chapter 1, we don't yet exist. Before the foundations of the world, God did this. He planned to be favorable to men. If we get that through our heads... It helps us understand the rest of the passage. His grace has nothing to do with us. It's his. 
It's his understanding, his plan. For by grace, his favor, you have been. It's done. You have been saved. By his favor, by his grace. Remember, these Ephesians, they work. No, I got to work. I got to work. No, you've been saved by his grace before the foundation of the world. You've had his favor. And in his favor, it is planned for your salvation. Saved. Remember, I spoke about this. We aren't saved from only. We're saved to. We're saved from wrath and saved to his favor. The relationship upon faith in Christ changes. There's a new creature in Christ. All things passing away. All things becoming new. We're saved from the old life to a new life in Christ. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about saved. How does this happen? Now this is the marvel of grace. Remember, the world, that world and this world, is bound to find a way to work to get what we want. Get that. But he says, no. It's by believing. It's by faith. So his conclusion of what was gone previously, this is the conclusion. It's not by works which we have done. It's by believing in what he has done. I think the hardest part in general for many people is believing that God favors you. Why? Because we're ever before our eyes. We come to the word of God and we see failure upon our part. Failure upon failure upon failure. Have you prayed enough this week? Witnessed enough? Done anything that God would like us to do enough? No. We can't earn it. We must believe in though our failures of this week in life, we still have his favor because it's his determination to do it. It's what he says. This takes the self-loathing, self-pity, out of lay it aside. You are favored in God in Christ. Most all doctrinal error in the realm of salvation comes from the lack of understanding and accepting the clarity of that fact. It's his grace. James says we look in the looking glass and we see what manner of are we are. We see what we should be in Christ. We see what we are in scriptures in Christ. We see what we are in God's grace, but we forget and we walk away and say, I got to do something to please God. Now there is that. We do walk in a way pleasing, but that is after salvation. That's not before salvation. That is after we have a responsibility and a blessing of serving God. And that takes many, many different forms. Send them to Mark. <laughs> He'll publish them. Good works, which we're created to do. We have to get this understood. Without grace, there is no salvation. Get that. Without grace, there is no salvation. 
Salvation is the result of and out of grace. It is a manifestation of grace. It is not grace. Grace, salvation, takes some of us from alienation from God and puts us in a relationship with God. He's favored us in Christ. He has favored us in Christ. Why do we have to settle on this? I've mentioned spending time alone with the Lord. Quiet time. Thinking. Reasoning. Because we don't naturally settle on this. When was the last time we spent any time thinking about this? It's by grace I'm saved. When was the last time you really sat down, and I don't mean this condemning in any way, and really thought through the cross of Jesus Christ? What went on in there for you? And reality is we're too busy. We don't have time to spend time doing that. Yet it says meditate in the word of God day and night. There's where the blessing is. Because if we don't keep these kind of thoughts in our mind, we will wander. We'll wander into self-will. We'll wander into, when we think about it, oh, I've got to do something to please the Lord. I haven't prayed. I've got to pray. I gotta, we will find ourselves in some thought of doing something to earn God's favor. Now, as a believer, yeah, we, we got out of fellowship. Yeah. That's to be dealt with. But that's not salvation, the beginning of salvation that Paul's talking about. It has an effect on our presentation of the gospel. When we hear, if you, put in there, if you what? God will. Most of us who are saved, most of us have been church for a long time, you have heard if you pray this prayer, God will save you. No. Salvation is already there. Just believe it. Do you see the difference? If we're not careful, here's salvation. If you believe, God will give it to you. If you repent of your sins, God will give it to you. No. Believe. Believe in what God has done and you'll be saved. Ridiculous, isn't it? How many people have said to you, you've got to be kidding me. Sin all you want, live the way you want, and God will forgive you? Yeah, it's that stupid. It's by grace. When we understand that, it has an effect on how we present the gospel as something to be gained or something to live into. This is why I say living in grace. Not under it as though it's someplace else. It's in us. It's around us. It's his favor. By grace, 
you move into this grace. It, by faith, we move into this grace. Because salvation is of faith. Faith depending upon grace. Therefore, grace is a gift. If you read, you find faith made the great made of grace made the gift. Salvation is the gift. There's a body of doctrine out there that forces you to think that way. Paul says, no, it's by faith. That this gift of God's grace, of God's favor, produces, gives you salvation in Christ. Accepts your faith as righteousness. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. We have chapter 11, all the people who lived by faith and what they suffered by faith, and yet they gained Christ. They gained heaven. They gained a relationship with their God. God accepts our faith in his grace. Now we know that it's the preaching of the cross. Paul wrote of of the Ephesians to them, he says, In him you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. It's that simple. And we need to be careful of the words we use when we're telling somebody, believe. God isn't ready to save you if you do something. Salvation is there. It's done. It was prepared before the foundation of the earth. Believe it. We were born and raised to believe that works produces success. The little child, training. If you use the potty, I'll give you the cookie. Isn't it that simple? From the littlest brain, it is started, if I do, they will give me. And it goes on. When you're old enough to earn your money for your first car, we'll buy you a car. When you can pay the insurance, it's always when. When you turn 21, you can have. It's always if I do, wait until, and you will get the reward. Put in the 40-hour week, and you will get the reward. Our entire life is based on if I do, I will get. If I pray enough, God will give me what I want. This is where some doctrinal error comes in. Well, you just don't have faith enough. We're always putting ourselves in front of earning God's favor. No. We have it. I don't know how we're sitting here. I don't know anything about any of us. I know me. If it's not his favor... 
I'm in trouble. And how this week went, if it's not his favor, then there's no hope. The hope is that I'm in Christ. That I'm blameless before I'm in love in Christ Jesus. That, that, that's hard to wrap our heads around. But you see, we have to spend time with the Lord and his word. We have to take time and stop. This first hymn we learned this morning. You can spend months going through the verses of that song, meditating on those things, because they're right out of scriptural truth. The things in that song aren't false. And I love the last line. Abhorring. All my sin. Adoring. Only him. That's the result of mature Christian. We find that when we sit down and think about it, we think that. That's a reality. It's a reality. And this is what our Christian life develops into as we spend time with the Lord, understanding his grace and love to us. Not of yourselves, it's a gift. Verse 10, we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship. Fascinating word. Some of you who know the Greek, we get our term of poetry from this workmanship. What is important to understand about the workmanship here is it is consistent with what has been said. This work is finished. It's a finished work. But I'm not there. In Christ, it's a finished work. You are complete in him. Everything, everything that God demands of you is done in Christ. You are a finished work in heaven. Blameless in him, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You have an inheritance in Christ. Now, you are a finished work in Christ, in God's mind. You are a new creation in Christ. We need to understand that. A new creation in Christ. Remember, before the foundation of the world, this happened. In God's mind, this is what the believer is going to have. This is what he's going to believe before me. And we see over and over and over again that this is in Christ. I'm going to read through some passages. If you want to take notes, most of these passages we know by heart anyway. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things has passed away. Behold, all things are new. This is the Christian growth part, but this is what we have when it says, in Christ we were created. In him. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, 
but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. In the life that I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Did Did we create ourselves in Christ? God did it. Before the foundations of the world, he put us in Christ. Romans 8.1 Therefore there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But I look in the mirror and I should be condemned, but I'm not. Why? Because God has put me in Christ. Think about that next time you get entangled in sin. Yeah, you've sinned. Yes. You've broken fellowship with God. Yes, you've grieved the Holy Spirit. Yes, this is not pleasing to God how you're living. But there's no condemnation. There's only love, teaching, training, correction. That's for the believer who's in Christ. John 15, we all know there's five. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, that's Christ, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is a new creation in Christ. This is a result of grace. Not our works. I mean, how can we say, I'm going to get me into Christ. What have I got to do to get me in Christ? Believe. Believe what God has done, what he says he has done for his people. He created us in Christ Jesus. It's hard to get our head around. One of the old songwriters a guy named D.W. Whittle, don't know much about the man. He obviously spent time meditating, thinking about these things. Some of you probably sang this hymn. I haven't seen it in any of the newer hymn books, but it ought to be. Once far from God and dead in sin, no light my heart could see, but in God's word the light I found. Now Christ lives in me. As rays of light from yonder sun the flower of earth sets free, so light, so life and light and love came forth from Christ living in me. As lives the flower within the seed, as in the corn, the tree, so praise the God of truth and grace. His spirit lives in me. With longing, all my heart is filled. Like him, I would be. As on the wondrous thought I dwell, that Christ lives in me. Oh, what salvation is this, that Christ lives in me. 
It's not a mistake. That man sat down and thought, reasoned, looked at the Word of God, and meditated on it. Now, we're not lyricists, but we certainly can sit and think and set our focus on what our God has done for us, recognizing it is outside of us that he has brought us into himself through grace, through his favor. On what basis can I say God favors me? It's Christ. Through him, I can see that he favored me. Through faith, I believe into this salvation. I believe into this grace. It's there. This is why I say living in grace. It's here. It's right now for anybody and everybody who desires to have a relationship with a creator. We are a new creation in Christ for what? What is the result of this being created in God? His purpose? For us to do good works. For good works. Now notice the position. Everything has been done. These good works do not reflect at all on our salvation. They don't move God. They don't make God do anything. They don't move God to do anything. They are a result of his moving in us. Remember, Paul says, when you believed, you received the Holy Spirit of God. This is the work of the Holy Spirit, that we should do good works. Now, (laughs) let's put together the list. Mark, here it comes. (laughs) I know this for a fact. I know a pastor who wrote a pamphlet for new believers. Listen to it. And if you are a Christian... This is what you will do. And if you're not doing this, you're probably not a Christian. The poor man just had it so messed up. But we are created to do good works. It's a fact. It's what the scripture says. That's what Paul says here. Unto good works. Well, then what are they? Good works... They're useful, they're upright, they're honorable in degree, but they resemble, they reflect the character of Christ because it's in him these good works flow. It's not for us to sit around and try to figure out, we'll give Mark some, it's in Christ, what do he do? He's the model of our life, of our good works. What did he do? What he did was in his relationship with his father. He spoke the things his father gave him to speak. He healed the sick. He did good works, didn't he? He fed the 5,000. He showed us good works. And in loving good works to others, we present the gospel as to their benefit, as to their blessing to receive Christ, to hear the gospel and believe. But we were created for this for good works. And so we carry on the gospel. We carry on making disciples. These are the foundation of the good works 
that we're to do. And our good works in many facets grow out of this desire to present the gospel to people, to honor our God, to care for one another. It's love. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Consider one another when you come together to provoke one another to love and good works. These are good works. But their completion is in Christ. Because we're in Christ, his good works are already on our account. This is where we believe into this grace. We're in Christ. Everything Christ has done is we are in it. It's hard to comprehend. We sit at the right hand of God in Christ. I can't comprehend that. We're sons and daughters of God in Christ. What does that mean? Everything that the Son of God has, whereas the children of God have. As much as Christ is accepted, we are accepted. We've been favored in Christ. God's favor is ours in Christ. The Lord is my shepherd. What in the world do I need? I don't want for anything. He supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory. We will totally miss these blessings if we're too busy to think about them. The grace is here. The knowledge is here. It's all right here. It's ours. When we walk out the door, when we go down the stairs, what we're doing this afternoon, his grace is right there. We can enjoy it or we can be distracted. Think about other things. Let other things please us. Young people, doing this, you will miss Christ. What gives you pleasure? Or meditating on the Word of God. Thinking about what you have in Christ. You see, it's not that this is bad. It's that it rejects Christ. It rejects the thinking about Him. It rejects the blessing of Him. When you're doing this, you're not praying for me. See, it's not about all these terrible things. It's about the good things that we lay aside for these other things. Why is mankind so plunged the depths into sin? It's the old story. Sin can never be satisfied. Sin can never be satisfied. If you give your life to making money, the reality is you will never have enough. And you will do whatever is necessary to have more. It's not limited to, but listen, look at your politicians. They come in to the work, just a guy like you and me. In years, they leave millionaires. Millionaires. 
How did that happen? They did whatever they had to do to get the book. I will, knew, I've known in my past some very, very wealthy men. And I remember hearing a couple of them have a conversation at one time, and they were talking about morals and business. And one of them emphatically, almost slamming us, there is no morals in business. Morals in business, you will fail. That's the world's thinking. I don't want to go there in any specific, but look what we're doing with our bodies. It's a degeneration. This sinful thought, this simple one, the boy and the girl, now the, on the side, now with the same sex. And now we're going to change it because that wasn't good enough. Now, once I was him, now I want to be her. This is all the degeneration. You cannot satisfy sin. It will always demand more. And that is why this, because you're not doing this, is a danger. Pray without ceasing. It's one of the blessings we have in Christ. It's one of the graces we have to approach the throne of God, and he promises to answer anything we ask according to his will. He promises to answer anything that we ask according to his will. We have his favor. We have his ear. Why do we miss it? Because we're taken up by things of the world. Our focus is on carnal pleasures. Some of you know my circumstance. Yeah, I want to get home and sit out. <laughs> so what? There are things more important. There are things more important. And through this, if I, if I can get you to comprehend the benefit and understand of what's ours in the grace of God, take advantage of it. We've been given the mind of Christ. The Holy Spirit is in our head. We worship God in spirit. Our relationship with God is in our head, in our thinking. Set your affections, your thinking, the things you love on things above, not on things of the earth. Get a hold of God's grace and favor and use it, benefit it, be blessed by it. In closing... Peter wrote in, in the second chapters, in second, uh, second Peter 3, he talks about the end of the world, the coming of the Lord, the passing of the way of the heavens and earth. And this is what he says down in verse 17, 1 Peter 3, 17. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unscrupulous people and lose your own firm commitment. He talks about scoffers, false teachers. I mean, all that's been out there. There are false teachers who are right now out there giving you false doctrine. You can buy their book. You can read about it. My wife, just the other day... Uh, 
saw a book, Is Homosexuality Wrong? They can't figure that out. We misunderstand the Bible. False teachers. But in verse 8 he says, But grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Become mature. Understand it. Apply it. Know how to use it. Know what it does for you. Grow in this grace and the knowledge of Christ. Please do not take this in any wrong way. We learn many things. But this is the foundation of things we need to know. This is what we need to know. We need to know about God's grace and how it affects us and what it means to us. In some facets, the word grace means power. God's grace, once we understand it, gives us ability. Paul says, Lord, take this thorn in my flesh away. And he said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. Then Paul says, yeah, and my weakness I made strong. There's power in God's grace and what it will produce in us. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, our deliverer and preserver. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. That's what we need to understand, to learn, take time thinking about, enjoying, enjoying this. Paul again wrote in Romans 5, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, no matter what your week has been, your month, whatever, you have peace with God when you get set in Jesus Christ. Paul opened up his letter that way. Grace and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. That's how he opened his letter to the Ephesians. Through him... We also obtained access by faith into this grace with which we stand. Get that? He just summarized <laughs> what he had just said in, in uh, Ephesians 2.8. Through faith, we come into this grace in which we stand. It is very easy Get this, it is very easy to let doctrinal truth become your stand rather than Christ. I have heard it said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved if you're elected. It's out there. It's out there. No, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ and we have access to this grace by faith. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We must be settled in this. And I have to admit, there's a lot of thinking of adjustment has to be done in us to grasp the depth of this in our daily lives.
Don't let it slip away. Enjoy it. Blessing from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ is out of his grace, out of his favor to you. There are going to be times when you have, it very, have a very difficult time believing that God thinks graciously to you, that he is favorably to you. Some of, some of our people enduring pain and suffering, cancer without any prognosis of being good, it's hard to think I'm favored by God. You are. You are. Because in the end, you'll spend eternity with Christ. And right now, he will comfort you. He will comfort you with the comfort he himself was comforted. He knows what it is to suffer in pain. Don't think for a minute that God's grace alleviates pain. Christ, in the garden, sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. Christ, God in the flesh, said, Father, take this away. No, not your will, not my will, but your will. Grace. If we focus on grace, we find a path. Don't take the pain away. Most of you laying there <laughs> waiting to go to the operating room, you're nervous. <laughs> you're nervous. Uh huh. And his grace and his favor is still on you. How badly have you sinned? Confess it. Confess it. Believe that in this favor and in this grace, he can face you when you can't face yourself. Have you ever said to the Lord, Lord, I'm confessing this sin. I do not want to give it up. I love it. I did it because I want to. And I do not care what your word says. Honesty before the Lord, truth about ourselves, that's where we find the proper answer. When we're honest before the Lord, trusting in his grace, trusting in his favor, trusting in what he has done for us before the foundations of the world. Let's pray. It's true, we have been graced in Christ. Father, help us to understand it, to enjoy it, to believe it, and honor and glorify you as a result of it. Show by your grace the works that you've given us to do in Christ, that we might be a testimony, for you've given us the Spirit that we should be witnesses of you to the ends of the earth. In those good works, we witness that we're the children of God. So, Father, work what you have said in your word in us, that we might be to the praise of your glory in him. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Lord bless you.